0: Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting season of wellness wisdom. We are thrilled to be back. And today marks the beginning of our new season that's going to be filled with insights and tips and discussions to help you lead a healthier and happier life. In this episode, we are diving deep into the world of mindful and intuitive eating. This is a topic we believe is fundamental to overall wellness. It's all about savoring every bite, listening to your body, and making nutritious choices. So stick around as we explore how these practices can transform your relationship with food. We'll also have a, or we currently have a fantastic round of wellness coaches joining us to share their personal experiences, as always, their expert advice. Today we have with us Kathy Riley, Jane Phillips, Sarah Beaton, and Bobby McGrath. Welcome ladies. All right. And to start us out, as always, we have our medical disclaimer. All of the information that you hear here today is for educational purposes only. Before you make any changes to your lifestyle and health um, protocols that you currently have, please have a conversation with your doctor first, pass everything through them um, before you get started. All right, let's get started here. So, the art of mindful eating. Mindful eating isn't just about what you eat, right? It's about how you eat. It's about slowing down and truly savoring every moment. It's about being present at the table and giving your body the attention it deserves. We live in a world that's so busy that many times I even see people standing up eating so they can literally eat, run out the door you know, or they're eating in the car on the way to an event or an activity with their kids. And what this does, and most people don't realize is that it sets our body into flight mode. (laughs) And our body always feels like a bear is chasing it, which means our cortisol is always running. Our stress is very high and the digestive system. When that happens, doesn't want to do its job. It just, when it feels stress, it wants to run, it puts us in the flight mode and our digestive system actually shuts down because it wants to give us more energy for whatever it is that's chasing us, right? And it doesn't know the difference between we're just going through the drive-thru and not sitting at the table and a bear chasing us. So this leads to gas, bloating, heartburn, and more side effects than we really want, right? research shows that mindful eating can have numerous benefits from improved digestion to better weight management we're all looking for that right and a healthier relationship with food it's like a mini meditation session in every meal some practical steps to get started are just very simple first try setting aside at least 20 minutes for each meal you know i tend to see a lot of people do this practice more at restaurants than they do at home, especially when they're with family, they're visiting. So they give themselves a lot of time to just sit, relax, you know, socialize while they're eating. They hardly ever do it at home. Put away distractions like phones, don't have a TV in the dining room or eat in front of the TV in the living room. And just focus solely on the food that's in front of you and pay attention to the textures, the flavors, even the sounds of your meal as you're chewing it. So some really easy tips for those just getting started, but what are some other recommended tips for our listeners in starting their journey towards more mindful and intuitive eating? Jane, how about your thoughts?
1: Well, first I want everyone to know the difference between mindful eating, which involves being present and fully listening to the body's hunger and fullness cues. So really, really tuning in, block out everything else, right? Another one is intuitive eating, right? And that encourages listening to the body's hunger and fullness cues. So it's two different things here that we need to know about and apply to our lives. And I would say secondly is definitely don't judge yourself. Be kind to yourself through the whole process, much in the same way that we develop the habits that we have today. It's not overnight. So any little misstep along the way, give yourself grace, Allow yourself self-compassion, discourage self-criticism, and always know that the journey towards uh, mindful, intuitive eating takes time, as I was saying, and it's essential to be patient and kind to yourself throughout the process. And by all means, uh, the people in your life, let them know that
2: this is something that you're working on and have them support you in the whole thing. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Jane. and. In relation to that, you know, a lot of people um, tend to call different foods good or bad. And I think that we need to quit doing that and be allow, allow ourselves to have those bad foods. I know I'm using the term, but you know, they're not bad. It's just they not be may not be optimal for us. But you know, um just have have a little bit have a little bite. I think we talked about this on some of our other shows. Um you have that piece of pie, you know, have your have a bite or so. Um but the biggest another big thing is too is be mindful of the portion controls uh, or the portion sizes. Use smaller plates and utensils, um, When you go to restaurants you might even you know consider asking for a box because they give you twice as much food as you actually need so that's something else that you could might be able to incorporate and be more mindful um you don't necessarily have to clean your plate especially at a restaurant
3: yeah jumping on that i'm sure you guys have all experienced i know i have going going to a restaurant can you can really do some big damage when you're not mindful because I don't know about you but especially when you go to you know Mexican restaurant where they bring the unlimited bowl of chips and they're you know if you're if you're not careful you know you can have a couple of bowls of it before your food even come um or if they have the bread basket with the crackers and things like that um or when i was drinking soda i remember i haven't been drinking it for a long time it may be like eight years but they would just refill it without you noticing it and before you knew it you'd had you know, a couple glasses of it. So I did a little research when we were, we picked this topic and they actually designate that as distracted or mindless eating. And, um, when you're distracted, that's when a lot of things can happen where you just, you, you look back and go, Oh my gosh, I totally ate way more than I was planning to eat or multiple desserts or had extra drinks or chips or whatever. So, you know, bringing mindfulness into your eating, whether it's at home or in, at the restaurant. One of the ways we do it, uh, my husband and I especially, is we actually tell the server, no, no thanks on the chips. And they usually give you a weird look, like, what do you mean you don't want the chips, you know, but you kind of deal with it. And same thing with the bread basket, we pass on the bread. And those are great ways to just have it not be in your arm's reach and out of sight is out of mind. The other other thing about a just being more mindful is when you decide that you're going to go and have something to eat. I always like to tell people to maybe just think about the portion sizes that they're doing like Kathy said, but don't take the bag of chips or the box or the container of ice cream or no matter what it is, don't take that with you to your place of perching and eating, you know, and sitting down, but portion it out onto a plate or a bowl and then just tell yourself, this is it. I'm not going back for seconds. Cuz it's usually the second dip or the next 20 chips that really can do you in to the point where you just really completely blew it.
4: Yeah, I have to agree, Bobby. I mean, I think we've all done the damage before at restaurants and I don't do the bread baskets anymore because I'm gluten-free, but the chips, there's always the chips, especially at the Mexican restaurants. So that's a tough one. Um, I would like to add though, let go of restrictive dieting, which is obviously so common in our culture, right? I think we all know someone who's on a diet. So stay away from the fad diets. And as Kathy said, stop labeling the foods good and bad, right? Um, Instead, focus purely on nourishing your body. And when you do that, everything else just kind of falls away, right? Um, One thing that you could also do to help get you started is keep a food journal and, you know, write down your thoughts and your feelings before you eat, when you're eating, which I know can kind of be weird, but if you're alone and you have some time to spend you know, thinking about it and then after you eat, and this is going to help you determine patterns that maybe are coming up with your eating habits and um, maybe some emotional triggers that you didn't notice before.
0: Absolutely. And I like that about the um, emotional triggers. You know, a lot of times we don't realize why we're having cravings. We're annoyed that we have cravings with food, right? But we just, we don't understand why we have them and why we can't break those cravings. And a big part of that is really digging down to what are the triggers for the craving. And it's not just a physical trigger, but it's the emotional triggers that happen with that too. So if we're not slowing down and having that mindfulness while we're eating or even snacking, we'll never know what they are. We'll never be able to break those cycles. Thanks for pointing that out, Sarah. Sure. Sure. All right. So let's dive into a little bit deeper into intuitive eating. So we're in a new year. We have lots of people that have resolutions to lose weight and more than likely have chosen a new fad restrictive diet, right? Or an exercise plan to follow and try to lose that weight that they gained over the holidays. As holistic health coaches, we know through our education that it's actually more important to focus on reducing inflammation in the body by listening to what it needs. Intuitive eating is all about relearning how to trust your body. Instead of following strict diets, it encourages you to tune into your body's cues and eat when you're genuinely hungry. Cravings, for example, aren't always a bad thing. They can be your body's way of telling you what it needs. We'll discuss here in a few minutes how to decipher those cravings and respond to them in a health conscious way. But a great practical tip before each meal is to take a moment ask yourself, am I truly hungry? Check in with your body signals and eat only when you feel genuine hunger. I know I have a bad habit of eating out of boredom. Okay. Being fully transparent here. <laughs> and if I'm stressed, you know, and my go-to thing is usually a bag of chips and everybody in my family knows it. And I always get the comment, what are you doing? You yeah. don't need that your stomach's going to hurt after, like they all know. And it's that boredom. I can usually, you know, I'll just pass it by. Okay. You're right. But when I'm stressed, it's like, I'm just grabbing, going, you know, things like that. So, but practicing daily intuitive eating, it helps me reconnect with my body signals. It can be an absolute game chamber changer. And, you know, I'm able to just take a few moments and just drink some water, gauge my stress level, gauge the boardroom that I'm in. Maybe I find something else instead of grabbing that snack. Okay. I'm just going to, I'll go do the dishes if the dishes need done, right? Like this, give yourself that few moments to switch gears and do something else. And I know it's easier said than done, but with practice, it does get better. Like I said, fully transparent. I'm not perfected on that yet, <laughs> but you know, it's that thing. It get keeps getting better. The more that I pay attention to it, just like any habit change that we're making. What are some other tips that you ladies have um, or some common challenges that you know people are going to face when trying to eat intuitively and how can they overcome them? Bobby, let's start with you today.
3: Well, piggybacking on to what you said, um, what's helpful is a lot of times when I'm coaching my clients and they have exactly what you're just saying. You know, they've got that thing that grabs them and they want to eat um, or they find themselves cruising through the kitchen, especially with all the remote work that people are doing, right? Um, so I always kind of just encourage them. It's a behavioral habit, habit change and a mindset. So becoming more aware, which is what this whole podcast is about today. Um, you can, as you're sashing into the kitchen and opening the pantry or the kit, you know, the refrigerator or whatever, give yourself a number between one and 10. Like how hungry am I? Because I think it's, it's easy to do Um, to kind of just give rate yourself. And so if you are, you know, moving in from a seven, eight, nine, then you're, you know, time to eat something and consider, you know, what healthy choices you have. But if you're not really there yet, and you're underneath the seven, you're more like a two, three, four, five, go grab some water, um, go, you know, maybe do some deep breathing or something like that, or something else that might help you. Because a lot of people, misconstrue thirst for hunger. So that will be one of the suggestions I have. And then once you decide it's time to eat, have a meal. Go in the kitchen, figure out what it is that you're gonna have, fill up your plate with some healthy you know fats and whole grains and carbs that are good for you and some protein, and sit down like Shannon said, and eat. And then when you're not quite that hungry and you're not ready for a meal, you can always also check um by making your first choice as far as snacks go i always push people to go into the refrigerator and get something that is cold and perishable and something that's going to hydrate you like fruits or vegetables and things like that for snacks versus going into the dry pantry where you're getting the chips and the cookies and the salty things um which are really kind of the things that kind of bust us up right they're the they're the things that actually, as you eat them, I don't know about you, but the more chips I have or the more cookies I have, the more I want them. And before I know it, I've blown it, blown up my whole meal.
4: Yeah. For me, I think a big one, like kind of like what you said, Shannon, about eating with boredom. For me, it's just any emotional eating, eating if I'm sad or I'm stressed or just for comfort, right? Um, to help with this, I suggest coping strategies, like again, journaling, um, yoga, deep breathing, things that are going to kind of relax you and kind of reset your mind. So you can stop and, and pivot, right? What are you doing, right? Before you put that in your mouth, stop and think about what you're doing, and find something else to do. And again, you know, restrictive dieting makes it possibly difficult for some people to trans, you know, to move over to that lifestyle of, intuitive eating, right? So it's important to challenge, again, those thoughts on good foods, bad foods, focus on nourishing your body. And just realize that those good and bad foods that you think of, really, they all have a place in your diet, because we're not trying to be 100% perfect at all times. So letting that go, you know, it's like you're giving yourself an excuse to just live, right? Eat food, all food is part of life. Obviously, unless you have, you know, a food allergy or or an intolerance, that's obviously a different story. But um, yeah, for me, a big one would be emotional eating.
1: Jane, what are some thoughts from you? So I thought of a challenge and I see it all the time is busy lifestyle, lack of time. People just don't think they have time. And so people with busy schedules may find it difficult to practice mindful eating consistently. You, know, you might try a little bit here, a little bit there, and everything. That's all well and good. And so, what really helps is to sit down, take those few moments just to plan, and you can think about how you're going to prepare simple, nutritious meals ahead of time. It doesn't have to be anything complicated; just simple stuff. You know, one, two, three ingredients. You'll you'll get a power, powerful punch in the nu- nutrition and everything, right? Uh, flavors, textures, and whatnot. It means. Uh, carving out small moments for eating, even as uh, uh, mindful eating, even amidst a busy day, right? So you can start out by mindful eating for one meal per day for a week. And then the following week, you can do it for two meals, whatever works for you, right? Uh, another thing is someone may have a lack of body trust. And that means you may have lost faith in your body's cues due to prior experiences with uh, the four letter word diet, right? Right. And so are there health issues? And so I would, me as a coach, I would encourage mindful practices and celebrate their many victories, no matter how small. And if you haven't already done so, be sure to stay tuned because there's going to be some powerful resources at the end of this
2: to uh, follow along with. Yeah, Jane, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, it, it starts with shopping. I mean, you have to have those nutritious foods in your house. So maybe make it, you know, make a list of your favorite foods, your favorite good foods and, um, you know, make sure they're in your house. So um, I know it's just me and my husband at this point. And when I go to the store, I'll pick up, you know, just one or two apples or one or two peaches or or something of that nature so that we have fresh fruit in the house, but we're not going to have a whole bag of apples per se, you know, or whatever. So there's only, you know, we can only eat a couple at a time. So um, make sure that you're um, purchasing, you know, nutritious food in the first place, and then try to cook at home. I think cooking at home um, allows you to, you know, use proper oils and and those kind of things, as well as your portion control. And also just the, the fact of creating something is going to help you enjoy it that much more, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. I also think we need to mention here that doing mindful eating, doing intuitive eating, right? It's so different from any type of restrictive diet and much more healthier in a way that you're not starving yourself. Many times when people are trying to lose weight, they feel like they have to eat less in order to lose the weight. And the complete opposite is true. You know, if you are providing your body with enough nutrients, vitamins, and minerals that it needs, it will do the processes that it needs to do as long as you're doing everything else to promote a healthy lifestyle as well. So many times, we see this a lot with the keto diet, right? Somebody does a keto diet and, you know, they're losing all the weight, but then all of a sudden, They stop the keto diet and they go back to just normal everyday foods they're eating and they've gained 20 pounds on top of what they lost because their body went into hibernation and it was in survival mode. So now it wants to pack on that extra weight to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So it gets harder every time you do it. And, you know, you're restricting so many calories, restricting carbs, carbs are not a bad thing. They're a good thing when they're the right kind of carbs, you know, being a complex carb like grains and vegetables, whole grains and vegetables, rather than white rice and breads and all of these other things, um, you know, processed foods. So um, I think it's really helpful to to point that out here as well, because we want to limit people um, from, you know, restricting the foods that they should be eating. You know, you should be eating to live, not living to eat. Right. And that's where mindfulness and intuitive eating really, really puts you. So eating seasonally, let's talk about eating seasonally. Um, some of our listeners may have heard this. Some may have never heard it before. It's not something that's widely talked about in the nutritional world and wellness world. Um, but you can eat seasonally to promote healthier cycles in your body, right? So eating seasonally, isn't just a culinary trend. It's smart and healthy choices. It's about aligning your diet with nature and what it's naturally providing every season. This can bring an array of different benefits, especially during the winter months. So during the winter months, we know that we are, our bodies are kind of shutting down. You know, we're starting to prepare our bodies for colder weather, unless we live in like Florida, (laughs) but you know, there's a whole sort of thing that goes cycle that goes on with our body with each season. And that's just natural. It's like the circadian rhythm for sleep, right? Like we are naturally um, have this ingrained in ourselves. So winter foods, we have root vegetables hearty grains, dark leafy greens, so that we get those essential nutrients. And it also helps to keep our body warm. Um, You'll notice a lot of times when you're looking at immune boosting teas and herbs and things like that, a lot of those herbs and stuff are warming like ginger, cinnamon, you know, and this is because that's the season that our body is in. It needs that extra warmth. A lot of times when we're eating seasonally, it's also more budget friendly, you know, a lot of these things don't don't have to travel, and we'll talk more about that here in a few minutes. Um, but. I encourage everyone listening to take some time to visit your local farmer's markets. Now, a lot of times people think farmer's markets are only during the summer months, but I know even where we are, they have indoor farmer's markets. And a lot of people who have greenhouses will grow things like fresh leafy greens um, and those more cold tolerant plants and vegetables during the winter and sell them at the indoor farmer's markets. So, you know, they also have community supported agricultural programs that you can find in your area. Um, so just it helps you to discover what's in season. Just because you find it in the grocery store at the produce aisle does not mean that it's in season, okay? So you'll find you'll find that you'll be able to incorporate a lot of delicious and nutritious options. Um, into your winter meals, you know, it's going to make them more full and you'll be able to, um, I always encourage my clients during each season to try out different recipes instead of following the same family recipes throughout the entire year, right? So by eating seasonally, you're not only nourishing your body, but you're also, you're going to reduce your carbon footprint because you're supporting local farmers and you're minimizing that long distance food transportation. So let's talk about this a little bit. How can our listeners... Find access um, to local seasonal produce in their area. Sarah, how about you start us off?
4: Okay. So, definitely, as you mentioned, the farmers markets, the CSAs, you know, the community supported agriculture. And a lot of those, you know, you get your share of harvest. Sometimes you pick it up, sometimes you have it delivered. But local farms, some of them have you pick available. I know we have a local farm here that. I think it's called cold frame or something like that but they have only organic produce which is pretty amazing and they're open throughout the winter. Um look at your local farms and of course you can find some of those local farms at the farmers market. You go and find who you like, who aligns with your beliefs, what how they're treating their fruits and vegetables and then you can go maybe outside the farmers market if you have to drive to go to their place to get their produce, right? Mm-hmm. Um, another one, online local food directories. Now my favorite is called localharvest.org. So you can look on there, put in your zip code, find ones in your area. There's also one called um, localhens.com. Another sustainableagriculture.net. I did look at that one, I've I've used them before. And localdifference.org. But my favorite is localharvest.org. And then lastly, um, food co-ops and buying clubs. Those are a good way to use purchase power to get good deals on produce. And as far as this, you mentioned the seasonal recipes, just a little aside, going to Pinterest, which most people have been on Pinterest, but maybe some don't know about it. Going to Pinterest, you can find a lot of good seasonal recipes on there because I'm always trying to use my you know, creative ideas of what else can I make this fall? So I'm different than last fall, that kind of thing. So those
0: are my ideas. And I think, you know, using, like you said, like those food co-ops and buying clubs, right? Like a lot of times you'll find that there'll be some things in there that you've never tried before. And maybe you wouldn't normally purchase from the grocery store, right? So it gives you a chance to do something like that and just kind of use Pinterest or use Google and find some recipes
4: rutabaga or whatever you know I've done that before I've never cooked some of these different root veggies and things and you find wow these are pretty good I just didn't know about them because I didn't grow up with them we're kind of limited growing up like and I think things are a little different back then and um now I feel like you know when we're the adult you can really expand your creativity in the kitchen and it makes eating especially intuitively more fun
0: yeah. And I think, you know, if we're sticking with just our general grocery stores like Kroger, or Walmart, Meyer, you know, Whole Foods, whatever, a lot of times um, there's things that are locally grown but they're not in the grocery store. So getting out to these farmers markets and even going into, you know, a local, I know here we have, um, an organic local co-op store. So all the local farmers are able to bring their stuff to that store and they only use local farmers. So there, I've walked in there before and gone, what is that? <laughs> like, wow. You know, and then I'm on my phone and I'm researching, going, okay, what is this? And like, we just tried kiwi berries for the first time. You know, those those are odd, but you know, it's something that is not available in a regular grocery store. So, some really good good information. I didn't know about a, a couple of those um, links on there. So, but it's always good use Google, find out what's closest to you talk to the farmers. A lot of times, even if it's these CSAs, um, you know, you can contact them through their website or you can call them and talk with them and ask different questions about even down to the basics. If this is something new to you, what is, why would I want to purchase from you? What is the difference between organic and GMO? And, you know, what do you use? Why do you not use this or that, you know, and get that education and form that relationship with those, with those farmers. So, what are some nutritional advantages of choosing seasonal foods, especially during the winter months? Um, Bobby,
3: what do you have to say on this? Well, props to you guys for bringing all these resources today because I think a lot of times people don't realize there's way more than what's on the corner grocery store out there. They have to take the time to investigate it. So, you guys have made me. Want to dive into some of those places too, and find the indoor farmers market for sure. I, I need to do that with Shannon and I living in Illinois. We're, we're definitely not getting farmers markets in the winter, so
4: <laughs> not um, at all.
3: <laughs> some some tips that I will tell you um, with regard to eating in season. One, you're going to save money most of the time because it's a lot less expensive when the the produce is in season for the farmer because there's abundance of it right and they're bringing it to market they're wanting to to get rid of it so they're going to lower the price so they can move it Um, when it's out of season it's probably coming from pretty far away Um, some of our food arrives to uh, the states on boats you know and think about when it was harvested so when something's harvested before it's really ripe and the ripening process happens after it leaves the vine or the ground it's not getting the nutrients that it should have gotten if it was harvested from the peak of its harvest, if that makes sense. So the food that's arriving from faraway places actually has less nutrition in it because of how early they harvested it. And then also it's been, harvested. And so it's as anything in this world that is alive, it over time, it's going to slowly lose its nutritional value. So you're not only paying more for it, but you're also getting less nutrition. And I was cutting um, a a watermelon actually yesterday. And it was, I know watermelon season's kind of wrapping up, but you could tell even though it was organic and all of that, it was mushy in the middle. And, um, I know the, that the flavors are off too. Yeah. Like, they're yeah, cutting it and I'm them. eating it and I'm like, oh man, I I'm just not enjoying it. So I will give you a tip for that. Anytime you get a produce, um, especially fruit, um, that is not the greatest, you can freeze it and throw it in your next smoothie. So the watermelon became a watermelon smoothie versus me eating it in chunks. Um, and then the other thing is you want to make sure that you're trying to buy organic as much as you can. Um, but when it's locally grown, you know, and you are able to talk to the, the grower at the market and things like that, you can find about, out about their practices and what they do and, grade <clears throat> and that kind of stuff. There's a lot of tips for eating in season. And it also brings you, like Shannon said, the things you need at that time, the vitamins and minerals of that fruit are what your body's going to be craving and needing more of in that season. Um, so I hope that helps everybody to in season
0: i know there's a huge difference like my daughter used to love she loves strawberries. she always has and we've always you know got strawberries from the store but as she's gotten older like she has noticed a huge difference between what comes out of our small front yard strawberry patch and the strawberries are in the store you know it's like when instantly she knows when she cuts a strawberry open it does not matter how red it is on the outside it's going to be white on the inside There's no flavor, there's no nutrition, right? And I don't think a lot of people realize that nowadays because they're so used to it. Like it's just, that's just how it is. But we also have to think about when, especially things like strawberries, when they leave the field, many times they're not red when they leave the field, right? And many times they are being sprayed with chemicals to ripen them and change their color on their way to the store, but to also keep them fresh. And that's the reason why you'll see strawberries that are nice and red and they look like they're, you know, some of them might be moldy or something on the in, on the outside in the box or whatever. But the inside is completely white. And that's why, because they haven't been allowed to ripen in the field. So, um, you know, I probably just grossed out a lot of people on that. I apologize, but <laughs> now everybody's going to be looking forward to strawberries in the spring. And, you know, that's why a lot of people pick them and they freeze them. You know, they get enough for all year. They make jams. They freeze them for smoothies and everything. So.
3: Then that goes the same for like apples. I mean, I know I saw some piece before about apples that were a year old that were coming to market, you know? And so, I mean, you got to buy the apples in the fall. And if you're a person who enjoys apples, you know, get them. And the other piece that I was going to say that I forgot to mention is, you know, there's waxes on a lot of stuff. So you got to make sure when you are grabbing this stuff, if it it does have wax on it, um, you need to get something to take it off and baking soda and water can do that. If you Mm -hmm. soak in it, um, it also helps remove the glyphosate, but um, just making sure you know where it was, you know, harvested, how long ago that kind of stuff, you can find that information out. It really can protect you from buying food and wasting it because it tastes excuse me like crap
0: yeah absolutely and one of the things that we that you need to look out for right now is appeal a p e e l so you know take a look at that look it up on google we'll have some information on that on our social media and stuff as well for you all um while this episode is out um you know, I'm glad you mentioned about the apples because lately there's been a lot of apples that I've had this year from the store. We always go to pick them this time of year for a couple of months. We always go to the apple orchard and pick them. And I try to, you know, make pies and, and bake goods and stuff like that. And, and can as much as I can, but usually, you know, May, June, April, you know, you start running out of that stuff. And so getting some apples from the store, I know I've lately I've cut them open and they've been Brown in the middle. And I'm like, what is this? Like, how can that possibly be? And there's absolutely no flavor. And and that's, what's happening is, I mean, they're being stored for a year or more. Um, my husband used to deliver for a big grocery chain, um, warehouses. And it was amazing. Like once he started doing that, and we saw how the, the fruits and vegetables were treated and Like a lot of them are frozen and they end up falling out on the way to the store. That's why when you get them from the store, two days later, you bring them home and they're moldy. They're no good. It's the way that they're being kept in those warehouses. And so I I knew exactly what stores to not get stuff from because I knew where it had come from. All right. So are there any specific winter superfoods or ingredients that you recommend for boosting immunity and staying healthy? Jane, I'm going to throw this one at you because like myself, we are herbalists. So take it away. Yes,
1: yes, absolutely. So off the top of my head, when it comes to wintertime superfoods, I often reach for the citrus fruits, Uh, root vegetables, garlic is a big one, ginger, turmeric, I love the leafy greens, uh, nuts and seeds. Uh, you can have pumpkins and squashes, mushrooms, yogurt, and definitely other fermented foods, right? Um, you can also look to your green teas and definitely local honey, right? It's a big part of my diet, especially during winter. Um, so they're all great for, Uh, immune system boosting, they have antioxidants, uh, minerals, vitamins, fiber, some of them have healthy fats, they're antiviral, antibacterial, they offer digestive support, and a lot of anti inflammatory benefits. So you can't go wrong with those. And depending on where you live in the country, too, it's going to vary in terms of what is available. But like I said, stay tuned because there's a really good resource at the end that will be uh, available to you. And it'll be a very powerful one to have in your wellness tool toolbox.
0: Absolutely. And I also want to point our listeners back to the episode we did on boosting your immune system. Um, and there was a free um, a download for you all, then as well, that should still be in our link tree um, link where you can go ahead and grab those recipes where we include some herbal recipes for boosting your immune system as well. And that includes a lot of these winter vegetables and raw honey and herbs and things like that as well. So how can listeners make the transition to eating seasonally if they're used to the round year round access to all types of produce in, in their grocery stores, Bobby
3: unmute myself here. I think (laughs) what, when you have a change of seasons, it's good to look at it as a change of pace or change of what you're, eating and recipes. So I always encourage people to, to really take a a little bit of time as we shift into a new season and try to get a base of recipes that fit that time of year. Um, Make, you know, pick one soup, um, find a recipe for a sauce that you enjoy that you can put on top of different things. And then make sure that you're working with your fruits and vegetables um, that are in season and working with, um, you know, the least expensive ones. And like Sarah said, try something new, pick, pick, you know, if if you're interested in, um, my husband bought a rutabaga the other day, we were at, we were at Whole Foods and he was like making something he wanted to make for himself. And he's like, I'm going to try this out or no, it wasn't rutabaga. It was, um, a a spicier root vegetable. It's, it's, I'm blanking on it right now. And I knew I'm not a spice girl. So I knew that I, (laughs) Wasn't going to eat it, but he really enjoyed it. He shredded it up and put it into this little concoction he made and really, truly enjoyed it. So coming up with different ideas, trying, like Sarah said, Pinterest, going on, finding that. I think Food Network is great. Watching a cooking show. It'll just give you that boost to like try something different or new, because I don't know about you, but when I was cooking for my family, my kids are grown now for, you know, five nights a week, we would eat dinner. And I just, you just get burnt out. And so when the seasons would change, um, I was excited because I like yesterday I made my my butternut squash recipe for my butternut squash soup. And you know I actually give it away, and I think it's kind of a, a nice gift, but it's kind of part of the season. So you got to go with the flow with the seasons and see what what you can try new.
0: Awesome, thank you for that, Bobby. And I think horseradish is what you're thinking of.
3: Yes, yes, that's what it was. So thank you.
0: That yeah, really I,
3: it's like a root vegetable. And I'd never seen it before. But he's like, I'm going to try it. I love spicy. So
0: <laughs> my husband likes spicy too. And my son likes spicy. But that is one thing they will not touch. I remember one time when we had at a very nice restaurant and they brought us some like pretzel bites and two different dips. One was cheese and one was, you know, a little dark. And I was like, Oh, I know what that is. And my husband accidentally dipped in there and ate it. And he was like, What did I just eat? And I was like, that was horseradish dip you probably want to spit that out
2: <laughs> it'll clean out your sinuses though <laughs> it will it absolutely will
0: you know it's like i have a, a tea that we have cayenne pepper in it it cleans your sinuses out you shake it up smell it and then you have a cup of tea i mean a horseradish will do the same thing i put that in things like um you know i have a little vinegar tonic and everything fire cider that fire i cider. here, and it's in that so horseradish is in there cayenne's in there jalapeno woo. but yeah for sure Kathy, how about you close us out and let's talk about what um, some of the common misconceptions or myths about seasonal eating are.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. One of the first things I thought of is there, most people probably think there's not as many choices when you're trying to eat seasonally, but you just have to change your mindset on that because there are so many different things. Um, As you guys were kind of joking about, you know, I'm a Florida girl, so my seasons are totally different than y'all's. But still, you know, there are like in the spring, we have the strawberries grow here. You know, we can grow, cap. you know, we have cabbages that grow nearby to us, um, the broccolis, leafy greens, all of those things um, that we can't grow. Um, you know, during the summer. It's just too doggone hot. So there are so many choices and you just need to open your mind. Like, like y'all were saying earlier, you know, you kind of, you grew up with a certain menu, certain ways of eating, and you need to break out of some of those habits and and just grab something that you don't know what it is and and give it a shot. But there are, there are many, many, many choices. Um, And don't feel like, it's all or nothing, you know, just because you know we're talking about eating seasonally doesn't mean you can't grab a tomato to put in your salad. You know, I mean, I typically like don't eat salads even here in Florida in the wintertime. I, I prefer to have the soups and stews and cooked meals as well. But, um, you know, don't feel like you have to have everything um, seasonally. And then another thing that we kind of touched on a little while ago is most people think that it's expensive to eat seasonally or to eat from the farmer's market, but it really isn't because like Bobby mentioned, I think, you know, they have so much produce and they have to get rid of it or they're, it's talk about all or nothing, you know, they have to sell it or else it's going to go to the pigs or whatever, you know, into the compost pile. So it really is less expensive when you start looking into these local farmer's markets. Um, here in Florida, we also have produce stands on the side of the road, You know, which is a great way to get your fruits and vegetables. Um, so I you know, just want to throw in some other ideas on some misconceptions about eating seasonally.
0: You know, being able to get different things out of season. Year. like, if you go to the frozen aisle, you know, we always recommend do frozen stuff. Don't do Um, you know, canned stuff. You know, there's so many other things that are added to canned foods, but if you go to the frozen aisle, typically um, those things are picked ripe and they're frozen, they're flash frozen immediately. So those are going to be multiple times just as healthy as what is available, you know, in the produce aisle. Um, You know, when we talk about eating locally and seasonally, we have to remember that, you know, just like I was talking about before, when we're getting stuff from the grocery store when we talk about cost is that a lot of times I know when I get from a farmer's market or I get something that's been grown locally, it stays fresh a lot longer in my fridge than something that has traveled a long time. So when it comes to cost, that's why I had to look at it and go, is it really, cheaper for me if I'm getting something that's traveled a long way to the grocery store, but I have to throw it out two days later and I still have half of it left. And now I need to go ahead and get another batch of whatever, another box of strawberries, another, whatever, you know, whereas had, I just done seasonal, it was in seasonless and lettuce is bad for this as well. You know, so I know um, we've got a local store, I mean, that it's picked and bagged straight from the farm, straight from, you know, the rows that it's being picked from. And so it stays fresh in my fridge for almost two weeks. Whereas if I go get a head of romaine lettuce from, say, somewhere like Myers or Walmart or something in three days, it's turning brown and it's wilted and everything else. So now I have to throw it out and now I have to go get another one. So I've just paid double for something, you know, so think about things that way as
2: well. Another quick tip to help your produce last longer is when you're in the grocery store, and know we're talking about going to the farmer's markets and things like that. But when you're in the grocery store, pay attention to where, how they're storing their food, their fruits and vegetables. If it's out on the counter, you know, in the display, you know, it's good to keep out on your counter. If it's in the refrigerated section, you definitely want to put it in the refrigerator. And another way I found to make my lettuce and my salad mixes last longer is I always wrap a paper towel around my romaine and dampen it a little bit. It keeps it nice and fresh instead of it getting stale. And then in my um, salad mixes, in my little boxes, I always put a paper towel in there to absorb the moisture, just a dry paper towel, and it'll make it last so much longer.
3: I I do the same thing, Kathy.
2: Yep. Cause
3: you get so frustrated when you spend the money on it and it's going downhill so fast. And yep. the other thing you can do too with, um, like you said, Shan, with the frozen, you'd be surprised. You can get a lot of organic frozen vegetables, you know, yes. especially if you're making soups and, um, stews and things like that, you know, take a look there first before you go and buy something out of season. that doesn't taste as good. You can probably get it frozen. Like she said, and get it at the peak of harvest.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And I always look for those things on sale, you know, organic stuff, all the healthy stuff doesn't go on sale very often, but when it does, you know, I get extras and, and I'll freeze it or, you know, if it's already frozen, you know, get putting it in there and stocking up, you know, so, um, and typically those types of things will go on sale in a cycle. So you can pretty much tell, you know, what month something organic is going to be on sale. And so you can prepare a little bit ahead of time to get that as well. So, All right. As we wrap up, I want to talk about our North Star tip that we always give you. So our tip for the week is experiment with one new seasonal ingredient in your meals. Pay close attention to how it makes you feel both physically and emotionally and let your body guide your choices. Remember, we're talking about making small changes. Small changes can lead to big results on your journey to mindful and intuitive eating. Some quotes for today, eating, eat seasonally to enjoy the diversity of foods God has provided us. That's by Dr. Josh Axe. And those who think they have no time for healthy eating will sooner or later have to find time for illness. Edward Stanley. So thank you for joining us today on Wellness Wisdom. We hope this episode has inspired you to embrace mindful and intuitive eating, and to savor each moment with your food. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes in this new season. We have some amazing topics lined up for you that you don't want to miss. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave us a review. Your support means the world to us. Um, Also make sure that you check out our links below in the notes um, for our link tree and any other um, options that we have left for you there. Until next time, take care. And remember your health and wellness journey starts with some very small mindful steps each day. Have a great week, everybody.